All right, we're ready to get started on our evil campaign. Um, let's go around the room and everybody can introduce their characters. Hey there, my character's name is Fluffacus the Bunny Petter. Uh, but bunny petter? Oh yes, it doesn't matter what type of bunny it is, Fluffacus is up to the task of petting it. I I thought that we all agreed here to play, that, that we were going to play an evil campaign, and then you show up with a character with bunny petting? That's it? I give up. Well, wait, 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 wait. Fluffacus is definitely evil. Their goal is to own all of the bunnies so that no one else can pet them. Hmm, diabolical? And their backstory is that they murdered an entire town to take possession of their bunnies. Okay, somewhat better. And I ripped out all the townsfolk's livers to feed them to the bunnies so that they would have a luxurious coat. All the better for petting. This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about running evil campaigns. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Danielle. And as you may recall, back in episode 68, that's becomingdm.com slash EP68, uh, we did a My Favorite Monsters episode on the good guys, where we talked about good aligned monsters. And uh, I think mid-conversation there, we decided, hey, it might be fun to have an episode that was focused on um, on a running evil campaigns. We never got around to it, but hey, here we are. Uh, six episodes later, and we're ready to go. Maybe seven. I can't count anymore. <laughs> so um, we're going to be focused on on creating that uh, that campaign or one shot that um, can help people kind of scratch that itch to play something different, um, do something different than maybe the regular characters that they play. Right? Oh, for sure. Sometimes it can just. I don't, I, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like people get tired of being the good guys, even though they don't want to be like the bad guys that much or mm-hmm. for a very long time. Like, cause you, you said uh, one shot, it doesn't need to be an entire campaign. You just have a one shot where everybody can kind of get it out of their system, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and just kind of move on from there. Yeah, and I think it I think it is important to understand that it does not have to be a whole campaign. And and honestly, depending upon the group, running an entire campaign as an evil campaign can actually be a bit much because because you do have to take a pretty substantial step, not only out of the type of character that you usually play, but also probably out of the type of person that you usually are. To really act that role of the of with the any evil luck. characters with any luck, yeah, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, so so yeah, just like keep that in mind as you're doing this. It doesn't have to be a full campaign, it, even though we'll probably use that word several times through this. But but we can interchangeably put in one shots in there. Um, so let's cover some some like getting started stuff, and and Danielle, I'm going to have you kick us off. Well, I think that the most important thing, I think A1 critical here, is to make sure everyone agrees that they actually want to play an evil campaign. Um, Yep. And and you have to give everybody space to answer this honestly, right? Because if you have five people at your table and four of them all shout, huzzah, hurrah, and they want to go forward with it, but you have one person who's terribly uncomfortable 
and being very quiet, um, it it might be worth addressing that person, whether whether at the table or in private later, right? And because uh, I could I could easily see some, like you just losing a player at your table for doing something like this. Not that it's a bad thing. Um, I just really don't think it's for everybody. Yeah, and I would I would say that if you're going when you're going to ask your players about this, it almost makes sense to uh, to have have a one-on-one reach out to people or have a blind ballot to where Ooh. nobody can see what each other's responses are because it can be very easy for had to see three people at the table go, "Oh, yes, this is awesome." and get caught up in it and say, "Yes, this is awesome." when you really meant to say, "Oh no." <laughs> and and I I'm saying caught up, but 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 like the whole peer pressure thing, maybe you were on the edge and you weren't sure and you see these people get excited, so you're like, "Well, it'll be okay. I can say yes. Let's let's move forward." So I think that that having a, a way to communicate this to your players uh, that you don't have that, uh, even if it's unintentional, peer pressure uh, influencing what people say about whether they're w- ready to move forward with this or not. Yeah, not to mention that if you ask people, I like that doing a blind thing. Um, if you ask people while they're alone and give them time to respond, uh, it, it might prompt them to like actually sit and think about it for a little bit. It's like, do... Do I want to be the person who's raising a village, right? Um, yep. And that answer could be no, or you could get some resounding yeses. Who knows? But uh, that way, yeah, nobody feels pressure if you do it like that. Yeah, and I, you you make a good point. One of the one of the things, especially when you're talking about a pretty major change to the type of game you're playing, uh, one of the things I do like to do is is um, is I, I'll plant the seed before we have our we, before we have our session. So. Hey, everybody, this is something I'm talking about. I want you to think about it. I don't want you to respond to me right now, but when we come to the session, we're going to have um, we're going to have a vote. We're going to have some discussion on it. And and that way, when people come up, it's not just a gut reaction. They've actually had some time to really think about it before before you decide uh, to one way or another what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. I, I think the second thing you need to do is to make sure that everyone agrees what it means to be in an evil campaign. And and. I, I, this is this. If it if it weren't for making sure everybody was on board, this would be absolutely the number one. Because <laughs> when you say evil campaign, it's going to mean very very different things depending upon the player. To some, it may mean that like, oh hey, we're just going to have a murder hobo campaign and just kill everything that gets in front of us. And if everybody wants to do that and the DM's okay with that, then I guess that's fine. Uh, <laughs> um. Others may have more nuanced goals where where they actually want to play somebody that has these selfish goals that doesn't care about what who they hurt to get to those goals and it and it will really be kind of in in uh in theme with with the alignment tree of of evil in the game. Those are kind of the two main things. Anything else that you can you can think of Danielle that people might think of uh of evil games? I think I think one of the biggest risks that you run with an evil campaign well, especially as soon as you have evil players, is uh, is the, the the specific hazard to all of your players from your players, right? <laughs> it's it's something to think about because you have somebody who goes, oh well, I'm evil, and because I'm evil and they took my apple, um, I'm going to uh, dispatch them, right? And yeah. uh, 
number one, that that can put a grinding halt to a campaign. And number two, that can also cause a grinding halt to a friendship. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, it, it becomes a lot uh, more prevalent to see the that's what my character would do kind of explanations for, for why somebody does something rather than rather than thinking about having fun with the game. And oftentimes it's probably not what their character would do. It's just like what their character would do taken to the extreme edge of what they would do. Uh, Because to use your example, somebody stealing an apple. um, Yeah. You might be pissed off. You might, I mean, if you, if you go the violent route, you might stab them in the hand to take back your apple, but slitting their throat might be a little bit extreme. (laughs) Uh, It's a really good apple though. (laughs) You don't understand. Um, yeah, no, it can get it can get pretty dangerous, especially when you have party members turning on other party members. The upside to that is uh, it really takes a really big uh, load off of the DM when your players just fight each other, because then you you just have to ref that. <laughs> There's no planning involved. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, from my perspective, um, if that's the if that's the norm for a campaign. I don't really get all that excited about it because from my perspective, I don't have to do much. I, I really am just sitting there watching these people roll dice and see I hit you. <laughs> yeah, from that, I never I never thought about that, but that could definitely get uh, pretty, pretty lame from the DM's perspective. Because then you're at the table, but you're the only person who doesn't really get to play. Yeah, and that kind of goes to the next point I was going to make is, is you, you do absolutely need to make sure that everyone is on the same page with with not only with having this evil campaign but with what that evil means um because and, and everyone includes the dm because if the dm's not on board with with what the players are wanting to do then you need to have some discussion to see if there's a, a middle ground that 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 everybody can be happy with or if you just need to table this idea yeah because push comes to shove all of this uh like the entire world these guys might make characters but the rest of the world comes from from your own brain goo and uh, if everybody wants something a lot darker uh, than you are capable or even want to, because you, like, I think about how much time I sit and imagine my current world, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. I couldn't possibly imagine having to sit for like, you know, driving around a couple hours a day and just thinking about evil stuff. I feel, yeah, I feel like and, be and we're going to get into some of the into some of the dark themes that can happen here a little bit later in the episode. I do think that's something that, as the DM, you need to ask yourself: Is this some something that I'm willing to spend a bunch of my free time to do? <laughs> and there's definitely going to be people that that are all on board. Um, I I I could see myself maybe doing that for a little bit, but but at the same time, you. If you're doing like a long-term campaign, you need to ask you need to ask yourself that question: like, is this what I really want to be doing with my spare time? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we also need to understand kind of the themes and the goals that the players are looking for out of the game, because when when we talk about um, when we talk about evil, again, we can have different viewpoints, but ultimately. It comes down to what are the goals that I have for my character personally that I'm willing to walk over other people for. And and so we need to understand what those goals are. Um, but because a lot of people haven't played uh, in an evil campaign before, they, they may need some help, some help from you as the DM, right? Yeah, I... 
I'm I'm just listening to you say that and thinking to myself, boy, I would be no help. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I can't. Uh, well, I just. Well, luck. <laughs> Luckily, we have some we have some like handy dandy uh, some, some um, tips <laughs> like suggestions here I, because it, it can be very very basic like money and power world domination these are all kind of your your easy go to uh, evil goals for for any any sort of evil character I'm gonna rule the world or whatever. I'm going to eradicate every little living thing uh, out there if, if they're like a necromancer and they want to have an army of the undead and, and just hang out with the undead. Dead, that could be something um, um, like toppling governments, right? I, I, I'm i maybe I'm playing an anarchist and I, I want to topple all the governments or maybe I dislike one particular government, whatever. Um, or you can have like goofy things like I want to own the world market for cottage cheese, which goes back to to power to some extent. Cottage or cheese is power, right? All the, all the bunnies <laughs> to pet. Yeah, exactly. Having all the bunnies to pet. Um, but I, I think it. I think that this is one of those areas that if if you aren't. Uh, familiar with some of the things and they aren't familiar with some of the things relying upon some of the tropes is something that's easy to do the other thing you can do is just look at villains in pop culture and go like all right well what was motivating this person what was the goal that they had because not everybody's the same and and some of them have little goals that just like blew up and some of them had these big kind of world domination style goals so understanding um, in pop culture what some villains are that maybe have some interesting goals that are outside of those tropes can also help define what your character's goals might be. I guess I guess technically, like, <clears throat> when you have, like, the players, they're, like, a level one. So they're, like, BBEGs, like, in training, right? Yeah. And so if, if you've ever made a BBEG or big bad guy, whatever, um, like... I usually have a couple points of, you know, their backstory as to, you know, what caused this. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that would actually be pretty easy to work backwards, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a that's a great point is that that as as DMs, we might think that it's difficult, but we do this all the time when we have, <laughs> when we create the 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 nemesis for the for the party so just like say all right well here's here's half a dozen that i created in past campaigns <laughs> that actually might be the real trick then cuz i was talking earlier about imagining driving around thinking about um like evil stuff but technically i already do that because i'm already thinking yep. about bad guys but then you would actually have to flip that as the dm to be thinking about the good stuff too, like the like the super good stuff that's going to go against their bad stuff. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that where it gets different is some of the scene setting stuff and some of like where the party's going to spend their time that might be different than the good aligned party. Yeah, that's true. And we'll talk about some of that mm-hmm. a little later. But I but I do agree. You're, you're already kind of thinking about some of these things. As as the DM, it's really just a matter of flipping the table to some extent and applying what you would normally uh, offer to the party as 
what you would offer to your NPCs and and the 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 big bad is now your now your party. So mm-hmm. and more more importantly is that you just said they're now your party, but it this is still a party, right? And uh, we had talked about earlier, you know, players uh, hurting other players, right? In game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also important to to be able to define. Like for your characters to be able to define, and this is a question I usually ask in session zero. It's like, why are you with your party? And I think that this yep. is a very critical question, especially in an evil campaign, to prevent that that kind of uh, murderous animosity between evil characters. To say, you know, this I'm tied to these guys because of whatever reason everybody comes up with, or you come up with. However, everybody's going to tie it together, but. So that they, you know, decrease the likelihood of negative outcomes. And I do think it's 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 even more important in these evil campaigns than it is in your standard game, because at at its core, being evil means that you are you are pursuing these selfish goals, these these goals for myself. I don't care about anybody else. I care about myself and 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 going forward from there. So logically my goal is probably not going to include Joe the barbarian who's also on my team um uh so i need to understand why why am i hanging out with joe and and the the other thing as you're as you're kind of defining these goals you should you should help the players decide on goals that they can't accomplish on their own because that I think lends itself to, to building these connections and why am I working with Joe the Barbarian? Uh, because because I need I need muscle to accomplish these tasks or, or whatever. And, and so you're right. You you do have to you do have to really well define why the heck am I traveling with these with these idiots? <laughs> yeah, you you would definitely have to do that. And uh, I like the common goals thing. Another part is uh, just I thought of this while you were talking. Um, we've talked before about having like interesting encounters where it's like somebody needs to be pushing this button while somebody's fighting this other thing. And mm-hmm. that might be something that you could lean on rather heavily to kind of indicate to the players during um, your your day to day adventuring. Like, nope, you you really do need these other guys because. Even for like from a role play perspective, it's nice to be able to say, "I need him because the Grim Star takes five hands," you know, whatever. But uh, it, on a day to day basis, it's like, no, we usually run into something where Steve has to stand on a pressure plate while we do this, and so everybody keeps Steve around. Yeah, well, and and it goes to I, I you kind of called this out, but like it it it's a little bit tropey, but. We have to have five people to complete the ritual to bring about the <laughs> destruction of the world or whatever. And if we don't have five people, we can't do it. Oh, look, our party happens to have five people in it. How convenient. Um, <laughs> but 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 uh, again, you're you're looking for those ways that that the party has a reason to be get, be together. Sure, you may and this is again up to how you define the game. You may get to a point where those bonds break because I've accomplished my goal. Screw you guys. I've, I've got ultimate power and can rule the world now. Um, but, but I think that ju- that just kind of go- goes into the setup of like how, what happens if somebody accomplishes their goal and, and, and figuring that out. 
Yeah, that could get tricky, <laughs> especially if, if one player achieves ultimate power before the rest of them. It's like I thought we needed all five of us. No, nope, I did this. I did this quick side quest, and now I'm. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're boned. <laughs> Have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role-playing game and thought to yourself, I'm not really sure I ran that the right way? Or maybe you just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it. If so, you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a, a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. One of the things that I like to talk to players before we start an evil campaign is to make sure that they realize that every game that we've played where they were the good guys um for the most part had a similar outcome the bad guy lost the bad guy often died and and so so um i use i use that to kind of lay the basis of look the bad guys don't don't usually have very good luck with accomplishing their goals and staying alive. Sure, they do sometimes, but you need to be prepared for um, for the possibility that you're not going to succeed in your goals. Well, and that's the other thing. It's like, I I mean, how badly? I mean, usually the bad guys lose, right? But then mm-hmm. to have the bad guys win, does that? I've never I've never actually played an evil campaign. Does that feel as good when you when you win at evil versus when you win at defeating evil? I don't know. I guess it, I guess we could ask the question, does it feel good when you <laughs> defeat your players with a big bad? <laughs> it never does. I always feel so bad. I'm like I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. I expected you to be better. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ah, um, yeah, that's a rather interesting idea. But uh, I do think that that within just like with any game, you have to establish boundaries, right? You you absolutely have to. Otherwise, well, boundaries in in player behavior, and also I think boundaries in uh, in what is acceptable at the table. Like we already talk about doing that in our session zeros, right? Like some everybody's got. Um, you know, stuff, right? And some stuff uh, people just don't want brought to the table. And uh, I think that in an evil campaign that might become extra critical to kind of uh, maybe even do your little sidebar chat thing about that. Be like, what's what's an absolute no-go? And then uh, just compile a list and be like, we can be super evil in areas that aren't these. Yep. And, and just... Again, it's kind of like that that uh, red, yellow, green, or or the what was the card called? The well, the one that I was talking about was just having an X where you flip the X. Yeah, um, 
it, it, it's really just a matter of establishing like, yes, I know that we're evil, but these are the evil things that we are absolutely not going to do. <laughs> yeah. Because they, nobody, I like, I, <clears throat> I think that that would be pretty uncomfortable to role play a, like a fair amount of evil stuff. And uh, in that regard, even when it comes to other evil things, um, you know, even if the entire table has kind of agreed, it's like, no, no, we're all, we're all super cool with waterboarding, you know, then it's like, okay, well, we're still going to do like a fade to black, right? So we're, we're not I, like, I, I wouldn't want to role play that, but that's just, that's just me. Right. Well, I wouldn't necessarily want to DM it either. So. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that that's where these boundaries come in. Like I personally, I wouldn't want to DM that. And so that would be one of my boundaries, you know, and just telling people it's like, listen, we can do this stuff, um, you know, that you guys are cool with, but we're going to do fade to black because I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to role play that. Yep. I think something that's just just a broad blanket important note is that this is still a D&D game. So maintaining plot engagement, world consistency, and player agency are all still just as important as they are with like any other regular campaign. Um I know I know it can be fun to have everybody kind of just rampaging through the countryside and that can be a little bit problematic with uh, with an evil campaign because you can kind of just lose your party to a rampage across the countryside and that's as much fun as that might be that'll get old relatively quickly if you're not maintaining some sort of plot some sort of advancement some sort of something else going on other than just kind of like being a murder hobo yeah, and I think that it can be it can it can be easy to get caught up in stuff because it's new. It's oh, you wanted to try that? Sure, let's go. And and not really paying attention to the the things that seem like they're old hat to some extent because you've got all this new stuff that you're doing. So I, I do think it 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 makes sense that you do need to do need to pay attention to some of that stuff a little bit more than you might think. Mm-hmm. And it might be worth uh, taking some personal time, right, to yourself and kind of thinking about, because I've been DMing for a long time and there's some scenarios that uh, from a DM's perspective, I'm a little bit prepared for. Like when, when a party goes into a tavern, I've got a pretty good idea that, you know, somebody's going to order a drink. And so I've got like a drink list. I've got a pretty good idea that somebody's going to try to fight somebody else, you know, the tough guy at the bar, arm wrestle, whatever. And I, I kind of know how to deal with that. Um, it might be worth kind of sitting in and pondering what kind of actions that your players uh, may choose to take, because the list of what they're going to do could be vastly different from what you're used yep. to and how you're used to running the game. And uh, I think a person, if they're not careful, could find themselves in very unknown water very quickly. Well, and it kind of goes to the next thing I was going to mention is that is that again this applies to any sort of DMing. I, I think, but but I do think it's 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 more important for a campaign like this. Know your players because playing evil is 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 going to be different than what they're used to uh even if they're used to playing the chaotic guy in the good party who does who does the crazy stuff that everybody gets pissed off at uh playing in an evil campaign where everybody's evil is very different 
it can require a lot more thought. It can require a lot more role playing because, again, hopefully this is not <laughs> what they're used to acting like in normal life. And and so you do need to make sure that that your your players are um, up to the task of playing in a campaign like this because if you don't think that they are, then then they probably aren't, and you probably should not, especially not not a long form campaign. You should not get involved in that. Um, so you can either suggest to do something else, or you can say we're just going to do this as a one shot. Uh, but but really, you do need to know your players and know what they're capable of, and whether that's going to fit for a campaign like this. Yeah, you. I think I think you definitely. I would personally want to start with some sort of small format, right? Um, kind of test mm-hmm. the water with your players and uh, see where they line up on that. If you if you're like so sure that everybody's like super good for this, and then during like session one you realize you're like, oh, this is such a bad idea. We can't we cannot do an entire campaign of this. Um, then yeah, you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna have some sort of an exit strategy. And uh, might I suggest the person who finishes the session with the most money wins. You know, and then, <laughs> and then you know, just chaos will ensue until the end of the session, and then it's just over. Yep. So I think that's that's the the like. For, I, I wrote it down as first things first, but there were like nine different things on there. So ninth <laughs> things ninth. Um, moving on, there there's a few things that I think um, you need to consider having in your game as you implement an evil game. And the first one is is reputation. And Danielle, why don't you why don't you start tackling uh, with reputation? I think reputation would be relatively interesting when you're playing good characters and you go <clears throat> into like a town or something, and somebody recognizes you. Oh, that's the hero of whatever. Um, that can feel kind of good. But the verses of that, when you're playing an evil campaign, the more reputation that you gain for doing whatever it is that you happen to be doing, um, you know, people will start will start fearing you. They'll start staying away from you, um, not even to mention hunting you. But uh, it could mean that even even as a low-level player, um, you could start finding difficulty with actually encountering townspeople, like going to the market and buying a sandwich might actually become difficult when people just close up your shop when you, you know, walk into town. Hey, I need healing potions. Oh, I'm sorry, we're all out of them. But I see them back there on the back shelf. Nope, those aren't healing potions. You must be mistaken. Yeah. Do you really think that I want you to get better? No, I would like you to not feel better. And uh, and perish. Yes, this is this is nice. Um, but the verses of that you know, more again is that uh, in I feel like in larger centers. Uh, you'd be more likely to encounter this, but uh, then black markets would be more willing to deal with you. You know, you roll into town and everybody in the black market has already heard your name. Uh, there's a good chance that they will um, feel comfortable with trading with you and are possibly also, depending on what you've done, less inclined to try to rip you off. Well, they may still rip you off depending upon the reputation, but they'll definitely yeah. be more likely to deal with you rather than think that you're you're the law that's just uh, trying to trying to get one over on them or something. Also, I guess uh, they would come find you, right? Because if you had a good enough reputation that you walked into a town and like three people screamed and ran away and everybody else closed up their shops, 
uh, and you just like went and hung out at the tavern, there's a really good chance that some seedy person would, you know, saddle up next to you and be like, so, uh, just, just follow me. <laughs> and that's how you, yep. you know, it'd be easier to find the black market, I think. Well, and I think one of the things that you need to think about when you're, um, when you are taking away those resources, because that's really what you're doing. You're taking away resources when, when that reputation is, um, is such that people don't want to deal with them. There's, there's still got to, in order for the story and for the game to continue moving forward, there's still got to be a way for them to get those resources. Obviously black market is an option, but another one is factions and, we discussed factions back in episode 33 and 34. That's becoming dm.com slash EP 33 and EP 44. Uh, and, and the, the factions can actually be a, a structure for the players to get resources if they're a member of one. So that is a, that is a way that you can do it. But, but beyond that, you do need to think about, factions and your games and how they're going to interact with uh with the uh with these evil players because uh, again it's you you've got this flip you you probably were already building out factions for your game before where you had factions that were more more good type people and more evil type people um and i i, I say the word type because alignment in my games is a little bit fuzzy and, and so it's not necessarily good and evil it's you're you're mostly good uh, um but you, so you still have to build those out but i think you you might need to spend more time on those good aligned ones where they are they're definitely going to be against the players but also keep in mind that uh that just because a faction is evil does not mean that they're friends with the party right Oh, yeah, they could have completely conflicting goals, you know? Like, our goal is to get Tom to be king of the country, and then your faction's goal is to get Steve to be the king of the country. Those are, you know, as much as both of these factions might be, like, pure evil, dripping with evil, um, they still don't have the same goal. Not only do they not have the same goal, but their goals directly conflict with each other, uh, so they're definitely not going to be friends. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that, that again, going back to kind of the high-level uh, factions, having factions and having the the party be part of a faction is a really good and, and actually fairly easy way to uh, to get the party involved in in being evil, especially when they when they don't aren't used to thinking evil being the 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 low level minions henchmen whatever that that this evil faction employs to to do its dirty work right oh i i actually love the idea of having everybody start off as minions like if, if you're gonna do like an evil campaign not just like a one shot but like a campaign that is the perfect place for a level one person to start as a minion you know you, you they've got some some jerk who's there to show him the ropes and uh and they get to kind of follow him around and eventually gain their their i guess like uh evil independence <laughs> evil <laughs> independence. <laughs> look i got my license <laughs> i i'm evil independent <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be kind of like 
freeing, right? Or maybe they only get it like when when the person that they're minioning for perishes, and then and then they just kind of like step up, right? Because you could have them raise like rise through the ranks as part of like the campaign, and they slowly move up through the ranks. They're getting more complicated missions or however it goes, and then eventually, you know, as tensions start to grow high, the 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 head of the of the faction, you know, meets a meets a uh, unfavorable end and uh, the party is like all of our generals or something and they just like move in I think it, I think it could build out very nicely on itself yeah and and depending upon how you set up the faction the the um the rules of succession could just be if 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 this person dies the people below the person below them automatically moves up and so you've got this this thing that incentivizes the players once they're able to to take on the the person that's above them and and maybe they succeed maybe they don't but um by doing that you also give them a path to be the leaders of this of this faction taking on all of the the roles and responsibilities and and then you can actually have a very different kind of campaign if everybody's interested in it where um you're not necessary. You can still have things going out and fighting monsters in in dungeons or whatever if you want. But if if the party's really into this, you can make like broader world level decisions on what the faction is going to do, and then um, go from there. It becomes very unlike D anD D at that point. But I have played in a couple of games where um, where we did that, and it was really interesting. It was it was short term it was maybe three or four sessions but it was really interesting to kind of see where things went uh going that route i've never i've never actually ran a campaign where like factions were an integral part but the biggest campaign i ever played in was like five years long and uh like everything was factions you like you needed to remember everything about everyone and how they connected to everyone in order to like survive the day and uh (laughs) Is is like really intense. There's a lot of notes. We've got booklets, but uh, it can be a lot of fun if done well. But you do have to think it out. Yeah, I I typically have factions in my game, but they are um, they're usually geographically specific, and the party usually travels between geographies. So they're the factions are are important for a storyline or two, but they may not be uh, important over the long course of it, except for a couple that are, that are globe spanning factions. Um, but in those cases, they, they, they make and destroy relationships as needed to accomplish their goals. So it doesn't, it doesn't really do you much good to remember all of the relationships because they're constantly in a state of change. That's, that's kind of nice though, that a lot less uh, mental load, not only on the players, but on the DM. Like, that's so much to set up. Hey, everybody. This episode ran a little bit longer than we had anticipated, so we're breaking it up into two. So make sure you join us in a couple weeks for the second part of the dis- discussion on running evil campaigns. Uh, so we'll see you in a couple weeks. And until then, stay, stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are becomingdm. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. 
The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then. <laughs>